Welcome to the Deptford Cinema Podcast. Bienvenido al podcast del Deptford Cinema. Deptford Cinema, the right place for film lovers. Hi everyone, welcome to Deptford Cinema's podcast. My name is Maria and I'm a volunteer with the cinema. I programmed a film season about a movie set in New York City. I also ran a couple of screenings last year in collaboration with Final Girls Berlin Film Festival. Joining me today is Frankie, who's also a volunteer with Deptford Cinema. Frankie, please introduce yourself. Hi everyone. So yeah, my name is Frankie and I'm a volunteer at the cinema. Um, I've programmed a season called Blood on Earth along with another volunteer called Rashid. Um, and that was a series of films from the African and Caribbean diaspora that ran from last October, last Black History Month, um, through to February. Uh, a few of the films that we did for that season were Young Soul Rebels, um, I Am Not a Witch, Moonlight, City of God and Rafiki. Um, we were cut short because of the pandemic, so that's as far as we got. So today we're doing an episode as part of Black History Month. We're going to be discussing black representation in horror films. The Fall Cinema. False Community by Community. Let's get into some of our favorite horror films by either a Black director or with a standout Black cast or particular Black character. I took the the definition of a horror film a little bit widely. So uh, Marie and I were talking about the documentary Horror Noir, which is on um, Shudder on Amazon Prime. And there are a couple of films in that documentary that... I guess you wouldn't really call horror films, but have horror aspects um, and feature a, a black cast or a black director. So one of the films that they featured, which is one of my absolute favorite films, is The Craft. Um, I, I would never have called that a horror film, but it is basically it's like a, a teen supernatural film um, about four girls who discover um, that they're able to be witches um, and the reason it's included in Horror Noir is because there's one character, Rochelle, who's played by Rachel True, who's black, and it becomes quite a big part of her storyline. Um, and yeah, as a film, I've always loved those kind of teen movies with a weird dark twist like Heathers and things like that. Um, so seeing a, a teen witch film with a black girl in the lead was just even better. And Something so in Horror Noir, Rachel True talks about how um, Rochelle's character, a lot of her storyline revolves around uh, the racist bullying that she's subject to by one of the kind of popular girls. And Rachel True is saying that she didn't like at first that that was her character's main focus and main storyline, um, mm-hmm. be- because the other the other characters in the film, their storylines are about like their home lives and trauma they faced and all these obstacles that they've overcome that kind of drive them towards being the outcasts and discovering their powers um but then she talks about how she thinks the reason she didn't think this was a, a kind of a big enough deal to be the character's main focus was because as a, a black woman living in America she faced that kind of thing every day and I, I guess she she didn't really realize that it was it worth being a, a storyline um but then she talks about how she realized that people in the audience who are watching that film, it really resonates to them, the fact that that is part of her story. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, watching that as a teenager 
definitely, I think I would have liked the film anyway. I just kind of loved films about witches, but that definitely gave it um, a bit more of realism and like it resonated with me a lot. So The Craft is definitely one of my favorite ones. If we can stretch horror to, to include that one. What about you? I discussed this film on another podcast, but it was quite seminal for me in terms of like, as part of my discovering my love of horror through like the days of blockbuster. So it's this black exploitation film called Sugar Hill. Yes. Yeah. And the fact that like the lead is a black woman. And for me, like, cause I, I grew up with a very Catholic Afro-Brazilian mother who anytime I wanted to like watch films that had anything related to witchcraft or voodoo, it was a no-go. So I would have to like sneakily rent these films on the download from Blockbuster. Just seeing her like exact revenge mm-hmm. on like basically all these racist fuckers that killed her boyfriend. And I know like now obviously the some of the representation of black people, even in black exploitation films, are still extremely problematic. I mean, I, I just love the film. I love the fact that, you know, she wins out in the end. So that has to be one of my faves. And then one that I recently discovered, which unfortunately I can only find as a sort of really poor quality copy on YouTube, uh, was another film called Abby. Yes, yes, I watched that. It's really interesting because like, I'd only heard, discovered this film like earlier this year during lockdown. It's basically about a black woman who gets possessed by a sex demon. And I understand like the implications of the idea that, you know, like how black women are like over represented as over sexualized beings and stuff. But I just kind of like the fact that she went from this church house frau to like she just went around killing random men using her sexual prowess. And then I also found it quite interesting that they were discussing this African deity called Eju which is a African god that's also represented in Afro, a couple of Afro-Brazilian religions. But I guess at the time in the 60s, you know, they were saying, oh, you know, he's a sex demon, which actually looking into the history of African deities and how they're represented in Afro-Brazilian religions, um, that's not what he is at all. I have a sort of soft spot for like the 70s and 80s and that kind of horror in general and just the aesthetics of it all. Um, Something more sort of recent in our times. Um, I really liked Queen of the Damned. The movie itself isn't that great. I just love the Leah in it. And I just love, I just love seeing black people as vampires. (laughs) Yeah. If you have any questions or suggestions for future podcasts or would like to get involved as a volunteer, please email us at info at depthedcinema.org. Another one, again, from the black exploitation era is like Scream, Blackula Scream, which also has um, the great icon Pam Greer in it. Again, she's kind of using voodoo as a means of, of good to kind of get rid of, you know, Blackula's curse. I could keep on going, but I was just wondering if you've got any other sort of faves or yeah. like sort of characters in horror films. Well, Ganja and Hess, I only watched quite recently, but definitely it's interesting because it's it's quite a difficult watch. And I also watched the version on YouTube, which is which is quite terrible quality. Um, yeah. 
but it's obviously a very experimental film. So Ganjin Hess is about um, Dr. Hess Green, played by Dwayne Jones, who was also the lead in the 1968 Night of the Living Dead. And he is a, a rich black anthropologist who's working on a, a fictional people called the, the Merthians, who were apparently... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they followed a religion. They were based in Africa, an ancient African religion of of uh, blood drinkers. And he is stabbed by his assistant with this Merthian dagger, um, and then becomes a vampire. But it's it struck me straight away because I watched Ganjin Hess, and then straight after I watched Abby, and they're so different. They're very different films. Like Ganjin Hess is quite obvious from the beginning that it's not just it's I'm not even sure if I would call it a horror film it's so yeah it makes the the vampire aspect of it seem quite mundane and the director Bill Gunn wanted it to be um about addiction and it's yeah it's made in 1973 so obviously we're with an all-black cast so this idea of well the theme of addiction is very prevalent and it starts off talking about how um, I think it's I think it's the assistant George Meader who's narrating at the beginning, and he talks about how Hess Green is not a criminal; he's he's a victim and an addict, mm-hmm. and that's so obviously that's that's very relevant to the times that they're living in and the social issues that are going on at the time. And yeah, it's just it's way more of like a an experimental analogy for those kind of problems, um, but with all of the the aesthetics of of horror and it's very gory and yeah I really enjoyed it but then then watching Abby afterwards it's just a completely different vibe like it's way more silly comical yeah <laughs> it's pretty it's, it's just it is funny it's just a silly thing to watch but I, I I liked it a lot but I think what you said about well well one thing to pick up on the revenge aspect like yeah so one film that I, we at least have to mention is Get Out because it's obviously yeah one of oh yeah like maybe the the biggest black horror film and maybe the most successful and I just remember watching it in the cinema and I try not to do too many spoilers I'm sure everyone has watched it but at the point where near the end the police come and they like in any other film the police coming at so after there's there's a revenge element um and the main character kind of ends up getting his revenge and the police come and in any other film it would be maybe a moment of relief like oh like finally he's going to be saved but everyone in the cinema yeah. knows that if this is the police then that is the end of it for him because he is obviously a black man in America um and then it turns out to maybe not be the police and yeah it's just I think that aspect of it turning it turns it completely on its head and in Ganja and Hess mm-hmm. I think it turns it, it, it's hard to understand because it's just the narrative of it is completely unlike any other horror film and yeah well any other I, I'm not sure if I've ever seen a film like it and I was reading an article on the BFI website about how Bill Gunn before he was a filmmaker he was a novelist and mm-hmm. like the the things in that film that seem quite chaotic and seem as if they're maybe accidental and they they go against the cinematic norm they're actually very purposeful and it's about how he's he's using a a different language basically to tell these stories rather than the mainstream language of cinema which was obviously very 
uh, dominated by white directors and writers and filmmakers. Um, yeah, yeah. And and another part you brought up about about voodoo, and I think in in most of the films that I've looked up or that I've watched um, for this, there's always this element. Um, except in a lot of the more modern ones, but of of these like African yeah. religions, um, and like you say in Abbey, it's an interesting representation of it. And I, th- I I don't know much about the Yoruba religions, but I'm guessing quite a lot of it is just is wrong. <laughs> so yeah, like I mentioned before, like my mother's Afro-Brazilian, yeah. um, but a lot of people from her generation grew up Catholic and there was always this fear of like anything you know like the the two main sort of Afro-Brazilian religions is Candoblé and Umbanda it's always been sort of like fear-mongering that's been brought down by you know through you know hundreds of years of colonialism in Brazil this fear of these religions of African origin which basically I you know I blame the Catholic Church who are responsible for 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 this fear-mongering and misinformation so for me I've always kind of been interested in finding out more about Haitian voodoo versus Santeria versus you know Umbanda and Candomblé and I I guess the the one that's most represented in horror films um is voodoo Deptford Cinema is a volunteer-run community cinema space located in southeast London. Due to the ongoing coronavirus crisis, our current cinema screenings and events have been suspended. We are, however, still active as a community and have migrated online to continue our activities as best possible. We'd like to thank all our patrons, cinema visitors and fellow film lovers in Deptford and around the world for all your continued support during these challenging times. We will continue to serve the community and look forward to reopening the cinema in the near future. The Serpents in the Rainbow by Wes Craven. Yeah. I quite like that film, but at the same time, you know, looking back at it now, I'm just like, oh, you know, is this really like what white directors think of, of voodoo in terms of everything's, you know, just scary? Yeah. When, it's it's not really. Um, I kind of like the fact that in Scream, Blackula Scream, she is kind of, you see like the white cops spouting all these stereotypes of, oh yeah, you know, there's all these weird killings going on. And it must be, must be you know, you guys are responsible because, you know, you're into voodoo and, you know, you drink blood and you have snakes involved in your ceremonies and turns out it's a vampire. It would be nice to see like a horror film made by a black creator at some point. I mean, I know in Eve's Buyer, it's not really a horror film, quote unquote, but um, she does use like, again, like voodoo is represented in there. Um, it's not all all spooky, scary. I just find it all fascinating. Yeah. Have you watched American Horror Story? I've only seen the first two seasons, but I really want to get into Coven. Yes, because I know this is, so obviously American Horror Story is very recent um, and it's not part of the, the black exploitation era or um, the 90s era of films and it's not a film. <laughs> but yeah, Coven is it's one of my favourite things I've watched on TV and it's got, so it's it's about a coven of witches and 
very prominent in it is uh, Marie Laveau. So this, uh, she was a real person in New Orleans, a fictionalized version of her, um, called like the the Voodoo Queen of New Orleans. Mm. And I have I have no idea how accurate the representation of Voodoo is, but it's really good to see it in a light that, as you say, it's not it's not like the enemy in this series. It's what yeah. the, one of the main characters. It's just part of her. It's part of her character and part of the main storyline. One thing about mm. it is that so she is she's in Coven and then she shows up again in one of the later say so, oh Apocalypse and so yeah. but it, it always positions the the witches the white witches are I think they're mostly they're from like the tradition of Salem like the witches who were persecuted um, in the Salem mm-hmm. witch trials and then the people who practice voodoo are very separate. Um, and they're all black and they but it just seems to position the characters always mention that the voodoo powers are just not as good as the witch's powers and it just seems like a weird in a show that is completely supernatural like all of it yeah. is supernatural. it just it's such a I find it a weird thing for them to constantly reiterate and there's one woman Queenie one of the witches mm-hmm. who originally is with the group of voodoo practitioners and then she joins um the witches the the majority white witches and she says that she's actually descended from one of so there's the legend of someone who was persecuted in the witch trials who was a black enslaved woman whose name I can't remember um and she says she's uh, descended from her so again like even though she is a black witch she's able to join the main crew of witches because she's she doesn't practice voodoo she's from this like this very that from the Salem tradition and yeah Mm. I would also like to see like that kind of that kind of film where it's centered completely and like that's part of the whole storyline in a in a horror film in a more I guess true to true to life way I think that'd be really interesting because like I say I I really don't know much about these kind of like Yoruba derived religions um but Mm -hmm. yeah I find them super interesting Lewisham loves death for cinema with get out it's kind of ushered in this whole wave of like oh yeah you know like it's okay, like, you know, like, Black people in horror films, and not just as characters, but making horror content. It's just opened up a floodgates of, we we can do this, and uh, there just needs to be more of it. No, definitely. And, and there's, yeah, there's a few remakes that have come out, or that are coming out, and, and one that springs to mind, which apparently was not good, was in 2014... Um, Spike Lee remade Gan. He remade Ganjin Hess under the name The Sweet Sweet Blood of Jesus. Yeah, I heard about it, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, but it got completely panned. And I think one of the things I can't remember. I read this, but uh, someone was talking about how with Ganjin Hess, like we were talking about at the start of the program, it was very much of its time, and it talks about issues mm. that are of its time. The aesthetics are of its time, even though it's very inventive. And I think Spike Lee kind of in some parts of the film of the sweet, sweet blood of Jesus, it's like a shot for shot remake of Ganja and Hess. And it just doesn't land in 2014. Um, I'll be really interested to see how some of these remakes kind of bring 
these old horror films up to date. And I haven't seen yeah. um, ki- kind of tangential to horror, but Jordan Peele's The Twilight Zone. I've been trying okay. to watch some of these episodes. I haven't managed to get hold of them, but I've heard mixed reviews about it. And I wonder if it's a similar kind of thing. Like, I wonder if some of these films are are very much of their time and if if remaking them remakes are hard mm. right because you have to appeal to the new audience and you have to appeal to the original audience so uh, yeah I'm just wondering how they're going to turn out I, I hope great I think great but I guess we'll see the trailer that I I saw of Candyman which is like the sort of shadow puppet cutouts which like the the first like few seconds that I seen seen of it remind so reminded me of um this stop motion animation um director or creator um Lottie I can't pronounce her surname but um she did like basically she was like a pioneer in stop motion animation and then the whole Candyman trailer that was done not as stop motion but with the cutouts reminded me of that and like the certain um like the events that she sort of played out through shadow puppets uh i just fell in love like i was just like i i just you know i will pay 20 quid to see this on yeah. um, on your day at home um one of the other things that i think it was also briefly brought up in in horror noir about Candyman was the whole idea of like because obviously it was based on a Clive Barker short story which was obviously set here in the UK talking about class issues which is a very very British thing and then in a way it translates really well to like even though it's the script was written by a a white screenwriter um, directed by a white director how the the story of Candyman like how it translates to race issues set in the project in Chicago. Um, how at the same time, why would Candyman be haunting, terrorizing his own people? Yeah. Where he could be like, you know, like instead of at Cabrini Green, basically the the copycat like block of flats that will eventually like gentrify like the neighborhood and stuff. Why is he terrorizing those guys? But it is a bit problematic, but as superficial as it sounds tony todd just just fucking brilliant um and his voice just makes me melt so (laughs) i don't know if he's gonna be in the make an appearance in the remake i mean i don't know if you've heard anything about it but no i haven't and i was gonna ask like what 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 do we know about it like it's what do we know what the similarities and differences are going to be in terms of the setting or is it still very hush hush at the moment so you know the little boy that was saved by virginia madsen yeah at the end of the film yeah so he the story is going to be following him as a grown-up right in in chicago in the old, like, obviously, because the, the actual project's Cabrini Green, um, I think it got demolished about back in the late 2000s. So it's him as a grown-up, um, as an artist. And I think, yeah, the the actress who plays his mother in the original film, Vanessa Williams, she also, yeah, is back playing his mother. And I don't know too much about, like, how it all plays out um 
I do know that Virginia Madsen also makes an appearance, but obviously as a completely different character. I'm just really looking forward to it. And, you know, hopefully people will refer it as Nia DaCosta's Candyman and not Jordan Peele's. Um, I think with the, the types of horror films that we're seeing now, with more films made by women and more films with black directors and black cast, like it makes you realise how earlier horror films could get stuck in a rut and I don't know when Mm -hmm. you have this different perspective on what's scary or just this different perspective on how people react and just different people and different stories within horror stories there's so many more interesting stories that you can have like we already talked about Get Out but Get Out and Us and films like that and as early as Ganja and Hess just when you come at the horror mm. film format from a completely different angle, like it can still obviously be very scary. Like Get Out was terrifying, but it's just, yeah, it's it's completely different stories that I think is, is really revamped the genre. You're listening to the Dev for Cinema podcast. I guess the, the big horror film as directed by a black woman that, that we're looking forward to, obviously, is the remake of Candyman. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. Is there anything else you want to add? Um, I think just to round up, I think we've talked about where in the, in the history of black horror, the black exploitation era and, and the early films and the standout ones and what we're looking forward to. And I guess I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to Candyman, but I'm also looking forward to just different different narratives and a lot more like black centered stories in horror yeah um and yeah after reading about Ganja and Hess and Bill Gunn and the way that he just kind of dismantled the the like the cinematic format of how you're supposed to do a horror film I'm looking forward to more of that basically to being completely surprised by the types of films we're seeing definitely okay so that is the end of our episode um thank you so much frankie for joining me i i had a really great time uh discussing discussing horror in general so yeah thanks for listening and hopefully we'll get to speak again thanks maria thank you for listening to the deptford cinema podcast for more information about our current online activities please visit our website www.deptfordcinema.org Depth for Cinema. Depth for Cinema, the right place for film lovers.